we had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. We know that the people who are dying from this from this uh, disease. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. You've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Thursday, the 16th day of December, the year of our Lord, 2021. I am Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams and a very long-lost friend of mine who we've not seen in quite some time. And it's good to have him back, but we'll get to him in just a second. Before I get to him, Bruce, how are you? Healthy and alive. Uh, trying not to blow away. We've got like gusts of 80 mile an hour winds here, but not unusual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Uh, I did hear you say that you turned your air conditioner on today and... Uh, well, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I'm, I'm still walking around. It's, it's, it's freezing cold over here. Okay, so I mean, what, what, what do you want me to say? It's a climate change. You know, I, I, I got to do my part. Climate change. Yeah, yeah. Well, Get it right. Yeah, but I got to do my part in in climate change. I have to do my part. So we turn the AC on. Right, right. Of course, you you wouldn't want to suffer in any of that. And a long lost friend, a long lost compatriot, Tavish. How are you? It's good to see you again. Thank you, sir. I'm doing well, and it's always a pleasure and honor to talk to you fine guys. Hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving, and may I say Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to everybody out there. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate that. I didn't have a chance to celebrate Thanksgiving because, uh, unfortunately, I mean, there, there's not Thanksgiving where I'm at, so I didn't really pay that much attention to it. It was just another day. However, they still take advantage of like Black Friday and all that, Cyber Monday and everything else. So the shopping is still here. Uh, so I guess there is that side to it, uh, except for the fact you're not really stabbing people and trampling over people and things of that nature. So, I mean, I, I guess they take the fun out of it uh, from that from that aspect. So, but uh, anyway, um, I tell you what, before we get into before we get into uh, some of the stuff we got lined up today, Tavish, let's um, uh, let's sit down and let's let's touch base with you. We've got a lot of new listeners. Let's start with you. You're in New England in the United States. We haven't had you on for quite some time. So give us an update. What's uh, what's the atmosphere like up there? Uh, what's going on up there? How are businesses faring up there? We did see that, uh, and I know you're you're kind of back and forth between you know different states up there. But we did see that some states up there, namely Massachusetts, are starting to uh, implement uh, COVID passports. So what's the atmosphere like up there? What's the uh, what's the kind of feedback you're getting from uh, from different people in your day to day stuff? It's actually a, a hodgepodge lodge. There's no official state mandates, but municipalities, counties are doing their own thing. Some businesses require proof of vaccination. Others do not. Massachusetts is talking about some type of smart pass, uh, something you can put on your uh, smartphone to show proof of vaccination. Others are using the old paper card. There's no ironclad mandate, but a lot of places it's like this town has it, this town doesn't, this business does it, that business doesn't. Um, a lot of people, they don't know which way is, you know, which way to turn. There's so many different rules, regulations. You have to wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. You can't go in here, but you can go in there. Um, there are still mask requirements on public transportation, such as bus, train, airports. Some restaurants are still doing the social distancing. Others are not. It, it, it's just it's really confusing trying to keep up with what's in, what's out, what's right, what's wrong. And I think a lot of people are just getting to the burnout stage now. It's just been going so long that there's no clear-cut, concise information or guidance. And a lot of people are just getting burned out on it. I think that's kind of been the consensus all along is just people are, are just sick and tired of it. They're tired of the confusion. They're tired of not having a certain uh, direction, which way to go. But again, I think that's all part of it. It's just it's it's meant to confuse people and to grind people down and, and just cause people to just lose all hope and just give up. That, that's what they want people to do. They want people to fall from the tree like a rotten piece of fruit right into their hands. Because let's face it, if people don't wake up and take control of their own lives, well, then someone's happily waiting in the wings to do it for them, aren't they? And that seems to be what uh, what the case is here. You mentioned there uh, very briefly about um, uh, about the trains, public transport and stuff. I did see that Amtrak, because of the federal uh, vax mandate that the Biden administration put in place, they were going to go ahead with that because the deadline is coming up. I believe it's today. I think December 15th. I think today's the deadline. 
uh, for a lot of these uh, these government agencies. But Amtrak has dropped their mandate for their employees, and they say that uh, they won't have to cut their service. They were looking at cutting almost. I want to say it was up to like seventy five percent of all of their all of their employees. But yet the official number, according to Amtrak, they say that ninety six percent of their employees are quote fully vaccinated. Yet they say we're dropping the mandate because we uh, don't want to cut or disrupt any service. Well, if you're going to lose four percent, I mean that's I mean I, I understand I'm I'm not I'm not looking at like Amtrak statistics here as far as like employees and things like that, but. If you're going to lose four percent, that doesn't seem like you take that much of a hit across the board. Uh, but if you're if you're saying, well, we're going to drop the mandate because we don't want to cut seventy five percent of our service, I tend to think that the number that is unvaxed for Amtrak is the latter, uh, just by sheer set of circumstance. But where you are, I, I know that this doesn't like Amtrak doesn't really resonate out west, out west of you know, like the Mississippi, it's not even really down in uh, my native part of Ohio where I'm from. But up where you are, Amtrak is, that's the only provider up there. So what would happen if they would shut down 75% of their services? What would happen up there to the infrastructure? Well, you're looking at the major rail line from Boston, New York to Washington, uh, but also from Boston, New York to Chicago and out to LA are the uh, major routes that Amtrak runs. So we would see major disruption in businesses, uh, persons' lives that use it to get back and forth to work. Yeah, it would throw everything into chaos. It would. It would. And I, I remember uh, being up in the uh, being up in the Northeast, you know, taking the trains. I mean, that's that's the only way to get around up there. So, I mean, shutting that service down, that's that's not really an option. You're, you're going to basically grind everything to a halt. And that's that's the play that a lot of these uh, a lot of these governments around the West are actually doing there. There can't be any other explanation at this point other than, uh, quite frankly, doing harm to people and to your economies. There can't be any other excuse to this. I, I just want to uh, point out that uh, Amtrak, what is that? Here where I'm at, we... Uh, really? No clue. Really? Uh, I, I mean, I, I know what it is, but uh, I'm just being facetious. Around here, nobody uses it. Nobody knows what it is in that sense. Um, but well, I understand, uh, Bruce, a, I mean, when, when you still live in a community where they have horse and wagon, I, I get it. OK, it's, it's OK. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> uh, another uh, little bit of cleanup. Uh, Amtrak uh, employs 20,000 uh, people. So if they lost 4 percent, that would be a large number of that employees. Is, okay. That's but, fair enough. That's fair enough. But nonetheless, if they have... Yeah, but even even losing that many employees, if you're hiring twenty thousand, it's not even a thousand employees. I don't know. I, I feel like you you would be able to, unless you're like already stretched really thin. I, I feel like you would be able to lose eight hundred employees to to prove your point. Uh, I I don't, I don't know that. So it doesn't it doesn't pass a sniff test. No, it, same it, thing with the airlines. If, if you're shutting, yeah. If you if you're shutting down for for four percent. And saying it's going to cause too many, it's 70% of your serviced area is going to be shut down because you lost 800 employees. Okay, either you're stretched that thin on employees and you're overworking your staff or you're BSing us and it's you, you don't have 90 some percent of your staff vaccinated. I think it's the latter. I think it's their I'm going with the latter because you notice that's the number they've been sticking to across the board. The European governments are even saying that, oh, we've got 96% of our populations vaccinated. Do you? Do you really? Oh, by the way, I'd just like to say, just just for clarification, that wasn't a dig at uh, when I said the horse and wagon, that wasn't a dig at our uh, southern U.S. listeners. I come from Ohio and when you get to certain parts of Ohio, you have to pay attention because there are horses and wagons that are still on the road. The Amish community, you, you have to watch out. Same thing in Pennsylvania. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, same thing in Pennsylvania. And you've got yeah. them out in other uh, other U.S. states as well across the uh, across the Midwest. I, I actually had family from the Northeast that um, thought we still had horse and buggy here. Um, legitimately, they didn't realize that we had cars. You know what? So, <laughs> you know what? I I actually it's it's funny you say that because everybody over it's it's the stereotype, right? Everybody over here thinks that people in Texas ride horses everywhere. They have these ten gallon hats, yeah. these golden yeah. belt buckles, boots, and everyone has a gun on their leg, right? That's that is like that I is mean, stereotype. It's close. 
It's close. Some of it's close. It's close. The, the, the belt buckle is a thing, and the, the belt boots buckles, and yeah, the gun the lariat. The, those yeah. things. Yeah, that that's that's true. And lariat but, if you're a rancher. Yeah, but that that is true. But nine times out of ten, they're driving a Ford pickup. You know, they're not yeah. they're not riding a horse. Yeah, Ford, Chevy, GM, yeah, something. Yeah. So anyway, okay, uh, yeah, that's uh, that that's it for Amtrak. Let's get to uh, let's get. Uh, I hate doing it. I really I don't even want to hear his voice. Let's talk. Let's talk the sainted Dr. Anthony Fauci. I, I'm just I'm so sick of looking at this guy. Uh, it's like you said, Tavish. You know, people are just tired. They don't have direction. Well, this is not exactly the first person I'd be looking at for direction. And I I, I don't know what what is your opinion of this guy. I'll I'll ask you outright. What is your opinion of this guy? I believe he comes across as respectable and knowledgeable because as as someone respected himself said he used big words and people go what does that mean he must be highly educated we should listen to him and yes he is knowledgeable but no one else really knows what he's saying so how do we know what he's saying is actually factually correct and that's i think is a big problem a lot of people hear these words efficacy comorbidity things like that and the average joe and jane don't really have an understanding of all these highfalutin words that are thrown out there. I know I don't. It took me a day or two to get efficacy down right, and I'm still not sure what it means. But I think that's part of the fact that they speak with these high lofty words and phrases, and the average Jay and Joe are just sitting there going, wow, he's really smart. And it's kind of like, I don't want to say a wolf in sheep's clothing, but in a way it is. I don't know if that's the correct analogy. Maybe you guys have a better one, but no, I, th- I think that's, I think that's pretty close. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to argue with you on that at all because that seems to be what it is, but uh, okay. So, uh, and I, I'm, I'm with you on that. What's your take on him and not, well, not just him, but him. And uh, cause we haven't talked to you in a while about this. What's your take on him and the media establishment that just continuously moves the goalposts as in, well, okay, you had your two doses of vaccine, which, you know, that's, that's what a lot of people have done. If that's what people, decided to go out and do, then that's their decision as far as I'm concerned. Do your own research and and make your own choices based on your own medical situation and, and make your choice. That That's up to you. And I'm not criticizing that. But again, my main question is the goalposts are being moved. Now they're going to move to say, oh, you're not vaccinated unless you have three and then it'll be four and then five and then so on and so forth. What's your take on them moving the goalposts and not sticking to one solid agenda for accurate direction for people? I believe that's where people have the most frustration is, and I think people generally want to do the right thing. They want to do the good thing, but there's no clear, concise message no one is staying on script. And as you said, they keep moving the goalpost. One day it's this, next day it's that. And people are like, wait, what the flock is going on? What do you want me to do? Get it out there. Make it clear, concise, easy to hear, easy to read, so people know and they have the information so they can act. Like you, I know people who are not vaccinated. It's a personal choice. Because of my medical history, where I work, I did get the vaccine. Only because family members have compromised immune systems. So I want to try to protect them. I want to try to protect myself. Doesn't mean I look down on people who don't. As long as you're informed and educated and make a choice, I have no problem with that. But the fact that there's no clear, concise messaging out there, people saying, here it is in black and white, it's just back and forth. It's like watching a tennis match. Bop, bop, back over the net, back over the net. Oh, wait, do this, do that. Don't do this, don't do that. Steak is good, steak is bad. Guys, make up your mind. Well, I mean, I like steak. I don't know about you, but I mean, I, I, do. I uh, so do I. But apparently, red meat is back to being bad again. Oh yeah, it's it's yeah. it's terrible. Just, just like salt, salt's bad for you. Oh wait, no, actually, you need salt or you die. Oh wait, no, salt's bad for you. Oh, eggs are good eggs, for you. No, they're bad you. for you. No, eggs, no actually, eggs, eggs are really good for you. Hard liquor is bad for you, but wine is good for you. Wait, what? <laughs> Actually, the Drink one cup of coffee, but not three cups of coffee. Actually, red, red wine. It is. It is true. The uh, there are elements in red wine that are actually very healthy for you, but you shouldn't obviously overdo it. You can actually you can supplement that if you're not a drinker, which I'm not. Um, and I don't supplement it, but there are supplements out there. You can actually get the red wine extract in a supplement form, and you can take that. That's actually it's proven to be a, uh, a very healthy thing for you. Uh, and you know, I, I've heard before. I've heard some doctors say before, and this goes back many, many years. I've heard some doctors say before that one glass of red wine a day is actually good for you. Now, I don't know if there's any truth to that. That's a remedy my grandfather used to take. He has since passed away long ago, which is, is why I'm pointing he out that he's grandfather. Actually, it's because he was, he had diabetes. Um, oh, uh, diabetes. He was diabetic. And yeah, it, I, I think it was from, 
I, I legit think it was from Agent Orange is is why he had it. But anyway, he he would take one glass of wine and it was one of the big like I mean it was like a big like like cup. sixteen yeah, ounce yeah. yeah or eight ounce glass of wine. It wasn't like a yeah. Okay, uh, I, without further ado, uh, the sainted Dr. Anthony Fauci on George Stephanopoulos telling us that, well, we're just going to have to deal with yearly boosters year on year end. We're just going to have to deal with it. Uh, and we'll go to Bruce directly after this, because when we were doing this pre-show, he was <laughs> he was already he was already ready to just snap. So we'll go to him first. Should we be expecting yearly boosters? You know, George, it's tough to tell because the third shot of an mRNA could not only do what we absolutely know it does, is it dramatically increase the level of protection. But from an immunological standpoint, it could very well increase the durability of protection by things that you can't readily measure by the level of antibodies, that you might have a maturation of the immune system that would prolong the durability. You don't know that, George, until you just follow it over a period of months. If it becomes necessary to get yet another boost, then we'll just have to deal with it when that occurs. But I'm hoping from an immunological standpoint that that third shot of an mRNA and the second shot of a J&J will give a much greater durability of protection than just the six months or so that we're seeing right now. All right, Bruce, lay into him. Okay, so first, yes. Anytime he says, well, it's hard to tell, it means yes. Give it a couple of weeks that that is going to be the narrative. Second, please show me the papers that you're referencing here that shows that these are, in fact, better. Because headlines out of uh, things like Bloomberg is saying that the J&J shot has no effectiveness at all versus the Omicron or Omicron, as as Biden says it, but anyway, Omicron, yeah, um, Omicron, yeah, yeah. So I got so um, irate before we started because there's no data showing it. In fact, all the data that's out there is showing that um, ADE is something that we should really be concerned about with these constant injections. You're you're going to create new bugs that our immune system can't fight without another vaccine which is going to create a new bug, a new virus that is going to be immune to the vaccine. So now you need a new vaccine to, to fight the next bug. But when you keep going down the vaccine route and keeps giving more boosters and more boosters, it's weakening the immune system and, and causing ADE. That's basically what it is. And then eventually you're going to get a bug that is fatal, something with like a 15 or 20% fatality rate. And you're just going to see young and old dying in the streets literally because of a, 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 a high you know, the, this new variant that's but they're failing to point out that the vaccine is what's causing all of this a leaky vaccine okay so the mrnas we've talked about it before the mrnas only target the s1 spike protein that's all it targets it tells your body how to attack that that caused the virus to mutate now the virus no longer has an s1 spike protein that happened with beta delta Omicron, all of them. None of them have the S1 spike protein anymore. So the vaccine literally caused them to mutate. Now what we're seeing, uh, some of the research that's coming out of, I believe the there was a paper out of Michigan that was showing that not only is the vaccine causing mutations, it's bonding with the virus and walking it through our immune system. So it's basically bypassing that, making you sick. In other words, the vaccine is causing you to get sick and they're wanting to continue getting boosters. I mean, you may have gotten the, the first and second jab and you're fine. And legitimately, you may see no bad effects from it. But the, the fear is when you continue down the road of booster after booster after booster, you're going to cause the virus to mutate. And it's going to it's going to push it into like a corral and it's going to eventually make a virus that will kill us. I mean, it could legitimately be a like apocalyptic. We could see like Ebola, but in a respiratory virus. Well, that's just what that they would. would uh, that's just what they would want. They, they would love to have something like that right now. Uh, it, yes and no, because if it were if it were a vaccine induced Ebola and it spreads um, aerosolized, so it spreads in the air, is through your breath. Um, no one is safe in that case. There is no vaccine at that point. Oh, if it's ADE and, and it created, that means the elite are just as vulnerable to this as 
we are. Uh, if 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 the normal people are dying in droves, the elite are going to be dying in droves because there is no protection versus this. The only thing that would potentially work is something that blocks viral replication. Gee, I wonder what we have that could do something like that. Um, oh, I don't know. Um, I, I, I just it, I, it comes to my mind that there's something that was. That was Carefully developed. Might get banned off of Twitter and yeah. Facebook for, for saying this. <laughs> there was something that, yeah, yeah, because I'm on both of them. Um, there, there was something out there that I want to say it won a Nobel Prize back in 2015 for yeah. its use in humans because it literally did what you just said. It it stops viral replication in vitro. Uh, it's called ivermectin. Not the horse paste that CNN talks about, not the horse dewormer. I'm talking about the human pill form. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, Tavish, th this guy, you, again, used a lot of words, a lot of big words, uh, making uh, you, me, and everybody else that listens to him sound like we have no idea what we're talking about and we don't understand any of what he's saying, but he's the expert. We need to listen to him. Basically, yeah, because I'll sit through some of these talking head shows and all of a sudden I feel stupid and i know i'm not stupid i've got an education but i just sit there and go oh my god this is so far that, over my head more than that i'm sorry to interrupt you but more than that you speak their language because you were in the bureaucracy for a number of years if i'm not mistaken yes yes i was so some of the terms but when it comes to this immunology and efficacy that's way out of my ballpark you know that's way out of my ballpark you want to do bomb damage assessment i can do that but this stuff it just i feel so inadequate when people ask me questions, I'm like, I'm not the person you should be talking to. But then I realize that, hey, it's not my fault. They're the ones, as you put it, they move the goalpost. Well, in a few weeks, we'll have more data. And I understand research takes time and science is disproved by better science. But it's just they keep changing a goalpost. It's like here, oh, no, wait, we're going over here. Oh, no, wait, we got to go over here. Wait a minute. We go from one shot to two shots to th two shots and a booster, yearly boosters, modified vaccines time out it's just you, you begin to lose trust people get burned out they lose trust and i couldn't understand why people i don't want to get vaccinated it's why some hospital chains have dropped their vaccine mandate because of the number of people they would be losing they wouldn't be able to take care of the patients they have now never mind patients down the road so i i think it's information burnout disinformation to some degree i don't know if i should use that word but i just feel like i'm on a merry-go-round and i have no idea where the ring is and i have no idea how to get off you know you um you had mentioned there you took the vaccine and that's again you you yes. gave your reasons as to why and i i respect that uh if that's if that's what you felt you uh you should do okay i understand it um i'm not going to knock you for your choice but to Bruce's question there, to Bruce's point, and I never did ask you this, did you ever have any reaction? Did you have any kind of a reaction to it or anything? The only thing I had was a little soreness in my arm where I got the shot. And I had that many times in the Army with all of the vaccinations they gave me there. So it was a day of pain and that was it. Okay. And have you been no, sick really. since then at all of any of anything with anything? Not really. No? Okay. I don't know if this is something that you've considered, but uh, because of what we're sitting here literally discussing right now, this moving of the goalpost and and seemingly, as you said, with on a merry-go-round and there's just no way to, to figure out how you're going to get off of it, are you even considering or interested in any type of uh, whatever they're peddling as a booster, which is technically it's more of the same of what you've already had? I will admit I have serious reservations. It's just whether it's information overload or not enough information, I just don't feel comfortable rolling up my sleeve one more time, not knowing if it's going to be the last time or just the first in a never-ending merry-go-round of getting a vaccination booster. And I understand why people don't want to get vaccinated, and that's their choice. It's like I always said, as long as you're informed and educated and make an educated decision, I have no problem with that. People don't want to get vaccinated. That's your choice, and I will not knock you for it. But right now, it's almost like an information overload. So I am very hesitant about getting a booster. The Moderna's not hearing this. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the Moderna C I believe it was the Moderna CEO. I, I, I want to say, or was it the BioNTech CEO? I, I can't remember. It was, it was one of them uh, who said that Moder Moderna's the the Russian is it? looking or sounding guy, and then the uh, uh, BioNTech is the the German guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, I can't remember which one of them said it's it, the these things all run together. I, or maybe 
I don't even was it the Pfizer one? Whatever. Nonetheless, they've all got a new modified vaccine variant coming out in March. That's why we say March is their next goalpost. That's where they're going to get everybody to is March. So be watching for for March. All of the guidelines, all the federal guidelines in the U.S. for COVID restrictions, as far as any federal agencies, have all been extended until March. Meaning once March gets there, oh, see, you're going to need the new one. I don't know which one of these companies, but I'm pretty sure that all of them are going to follow suit. They're going to roll out a new vaccine for you for this <clears throat> Omicron variant. They're going to roll that out for you in March. And then they say you're going to need two boosters with that one. You're going to need to take the two plus the booster for this one. Then you're going to need the new one coming in March plus two boosters for that one. But yet Fauci's back. Fauci's back. He's, he's playing both sides yet again. This is him on CBS saying, you know what? We don't need a variant-specific booster. No, no, no. We, we don't need that because what we have is effective against against this variant. So we, we don't need any uh, any boosters. So why are we even discussing it? The Omicron variant undoubtedly compromises the effects of a two-dose mRNA vaccine-induced antibodies and reduces the overall protection. However, as I showed on a prior slide, Considerable protection still maintains against severe disease. The early in vitro and clinical studies that I mentioned indicate that boosters reconstitute the antibody titers and enhance the vaccine protection against Omicron. And so finally, our booster vaccine regimens work against Omicron. At this point, there is no need for a variant-specific booster. And so the message remains clear. If you are unvaccinated, get vaccinated. And particularly in the arena of Omicron, if you are fully vaccinated, get your booster shot. Okay, I'm going to do a little bit of translation here. What he said there was the vaccine doesn't work against Omicron. It doesn't work at all. However, uh, when you get jabbed, that causes your antibodies to activate and fight off this infection. If you have Omicron and you're vaccinated, it'll activate your antibodies to fight off the vaccine. And in so doing, it'll also fight Omicron at the same time. That's literally what he said there. When he's talking about the, the titers and the all of that's literally what, what he's referencing. It's going to activate the antibodies and the antibodies are going to attack it because it's already there. They've been activated. That's basically what his argument is there. Also, I, I want to point out, uh, we were talking about the new vaccines and everything they're going to push. Mm -hmm. Also, don't forget the, the pill you're going to be taking. Right. Uh, yeah. But I think, though, this is this is this is going to be interesting, I think, because they're they're now this is just my opinion. They're now going to take the vaccinated group that they've created. So they've created one group. They've polarized it against another group. Now, here's where it's going to get interesting, because the booster rollouts and, and the booster agendas are here. Clearly, they're here. Uh, these clips that we're playing, this is what's being discussed. And then, of course, you got the Moderna chief today who's warning that uh, Delta and Omicron could combine to create a, quote, monster virus. We'll talk about that in a second. But this is where it's going to get interesting because, and I asked you that question, Tavish, for, for a very good reason. This is now going to take the group that they've created, and it, we're, we're just, we're talking about the way that they're polarizing society, and they're now going to split that group. So, you're going to lose a lot of people, such as what you just said. They're going to lose someone like you, someone that's that's done their uh, done their homework, made their own decision to go out and get vaccinated. Which I'm not faulting you for that. That's that's the choice you made. But now it's well, we need as clearly as you just heard Fauci say. Well, if you've been vaccinated, we need you to go out and roll your sleeve up again. This is where they're going to start losing people. W would you agree? Yes, I would. Only because where is it going to stop? A new variant. Oh, got to get another booster. Oh, wait, we've got the apple pie variant. Oh, got to get a new poster. I like apple pie. And I believe well, I do, too. But if they run out of names, it's like hurricanes. They're going to have to come up with a new naming system. They're going to use the constellations oh. of the stars. They've already. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not surprised. But wasn't it Italy that just in instituted a program where vaccinated people can do certain things, but unvaccinated people are basically, oh, you got to stay outside, can't come in. Uh, that's pretty much all of Europe, uh, sir. As a matter of fact, I am in a place now where you literally cannot do anything outside of going to uh, going to the supermarket to get essentials. You can't do anything at all. 
That bothers me. That bothers me. But see, that's the thing you're running into there is because you have a very low rate of vaccination here, I, I believe. And that's that's what the problem is, is you have uh, a society that you, you can say what you want about the Germans, but the Germans are very well educated people. Same thing with the Austrians, same thing with the Swiss. And you see what's being done to their populations. They're being stomped down upon because they're not willing to uh, just mindlessly go out there and roll their sleeves up. Uh, and so they're making life here very difficult for people until people comply. And it's just not happening. As a matter of fact, uh, and I know you you haven't seen this, but uh, the the, uh, the protest movement across the continent of Europe, I know you haven't seen any of that over there. And quite frankly, it's not on the media here, uh, but it is massive. It is massive. And they are in, uh, they're in full-blown uh, defense to try and guard against that. Uh, now, remember, remember, we replayed yesterday the interview that Yuri Bezmenov gave in 1984 about ideological subversion. What is the one point that he made in there about the people that are the, quote, political prostitutes, the ones on the left? And you can argue that all of these politicians that are all in lockstep across all of these governments in all of these countries, they're all political prostitutes, every last one of them. What are they doing? They're guarding against a counter-revolution. They are creating a revolution. They are guarding against a counter-revolution that will overthrow their revolution. Make no mistake about it. That is what Marxists do. Cultural Marxism, when it comes in, that's what they're doing. That is the hand that they are playing. Make no mistake about it. But the protests that are happening here across the three countries of Germany, Switzerland, and Austria, you know how they kind of all intersect down there just in that one little spot? Yes. Yeah. Well, they actually... Uh, <laughs> While they were having their protests uh, in their respective cities over the weekend, all three of them decided that because you can't cross the borders here, all three of them decided that they were going to meet up at their respective borders where they could see each other across the roads and across the waterways. And they all stood in solidarity. Well, I, if I may, I must bring up there have been news reports about the protests in Europe about the vaccines, the mask mandates, so on and so forth. But it was attributed to right wing groups. Uh huh. That's what They're, we were hearing over here. Yes, of it's course, very yeah. rare we hear about it, but when we do, it's like, oh, the right wing. Well, what yeah, we would call right wing, right -wing in the they're US, saying, I'm not sure they say it's the same in Europe. Oh, they're saying, of course, they're saying the same thing here. The media companies are all lock, stock, and barrel by the same, but they're literally saying here in all the uh, all the news outlets uh, that if you don't take a vaccine, well, then you're a right wing neo Nazi fascist. I mean, that that's where they are. That's literally where they are. I wish I was making that up. I do believe one report did mention neo-Nazis as one of the main protest groups. I haven't seen any yet. I'm still waiting for that. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, the uh, the biggest groups of people, the biggest uh, the biggest shift in the number of people that are joining the protest movements across Europe are people that have been double jabbed. They've been double vaccinated because now they're being told they have to take another one. And more than that, it was even before the booster talk over the summer. They were uh, they were uh, joining and they're saying, wait a minute. OK, they, they did. They did as you as in they went out, they they did their homework, they weighed their uh, their risk and uh, and they looked at what their choices were and they made the decision themselves what they thought was right for them. They made the decision for themselves to go out and get uh, get the shot. That's what they agreed to. They didn't agree to everything else. They didn't agree to the segregation of society. They didn't agree to only allowing certain people certain services unless you do what is expected of you by uh, an out-of-control government. They didn't agree to uh, vaccine passports, you know, papers, please. They didn't agree to any of that. And so the biggest problem that these governments now have is the people that have, such as yourself, that have been double jabbed are now saying, uh, wait a minute, we didn't agree to any of the rest of this stuff. Yes, we agreed to go out and get vaccinated. Sure, that was our choice. But we didn't agree to um, having new forms of ID. We didn't agree to having to, to show our medical records to uh, every single person that's going to serve us coffee at a table somewhere. We, we didn't agree to that. So that's their biggest problem. I, I wouldn't call that right wing, would you, sir? No, I would not. I think that's common sense. People say, hey, wait, you're going too far. Let's back up and think about this. What are you guys doing? Like you said, they're creating us versus them. That's wrong. We're all in this together. Whether you make a decision to get it or not get it, we're still we're still a group of people. We can agree to disagree, but this is getting a little out of hand. You know, it, it, like you said, papers, please. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I didn't, I didn't spend 10 years in the military to sign up for that. I, I have to push back just a little bit and say that uh, you haven't seen any neo-Nazi groups out there. Uh, I disagree. 
uh, we've seen okay. large groups of neo-Nazis in Europe, and they've been wearing black the entire time. That's true. Okay, touche, my friend, touche. Yes, you're you're absolutely right. I'm not going to argue with you on that at all. Uh, I thought those were that, anarchists. <laughs> they yeah, are. For those that aren't catching my drift, the policia, the police, the yes. law enforcement there, uh -huh. they're the ones that are cracking down, water cannoning, uh, they're with torches and sticks to, to make sure everybody's six feet apart. Yeah. Yeah, you saw the Gestapo. That. The, the German mm. police. But you know what? We were watching that video very carefully, weren't we? Yeah. The, and they, the quality um, of people that they are yeah. employing. When you look at these officers, these police officers, they're just kids. Yeah. It's that simple. They've not been in the force for 20 years or, no. you know, any of those well-experienced. No. no. They're, no, just, they're just they're literally like 20 they're or literally so in their 20s years yeah. old. They're, they're, they're yeah. literally just just right around the uh, the age where you can become a police officer. And that can be a good thing. That can be a bad thing. But what does that mean? That means that the good people that are of age are not the ones out there doing it. They're having to bring in new ones to enforce this garbage. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Does that mean that they're going to stand tall in front of some parliament building when the people have finally had enough and they go in there and they escort those criminals out? Maybe. Yes and we'll no. See. I mean, yeah, it, we'll it's, it, it's a, when you, when you have someone that is, has a lot of power, but they have no confidence, they have no discipline, self-control, those kind of things. And they're scared. They could brandish that power in a, in a very dangerous way. True. So, but it's, it, it comes, it comes back to a confidence game, as you were saying. I spent a good amount of time last week speaking to a, a young police officer. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. I, I don't want to be mean to the kid. Uh, but when I say kid, I mean that. I don't want to be mean to the kid. But if that's what is standing in between us and freedom, we're not going to have too much of a problem. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, okay. Moderna chief warns that uh, the Delta and Omicron uh, variants could combine to create a, quote, monster virus. Bruce, is this true? Uh, when you toss in the fact that the leaky vaccine and pushing for antibody dependent enhancement. Uh, yeah, actually, we could have a merger, uh, a mutation, a creation of a new virus that is a super bug that we can't defeat. That's possible, but not exactly how there's, there's a few extra bits in there that he's not throwing into the mix. He's omitting some information there. Mm hmm. Paul Burton, the uh, chief medical officer of Moderna, made the comments while addressing the House of Commons Technology and Science Committee members on Tuesday. He claimed that it was possible for someone to contract both variants at the same time, which certainly gives an opportunity for the two viruses to what we call recombinate, meaning they, would, they could begin to share genes and swap genes over. This could certainly lead to worse COVID-19 symptoms than usual, according to Burton, who added that it is really important to think uh, to think about it, given the rapid spread of Omicron. And then I guess a, uh, a Russian, uh, Alexander Simonov, head of Russia's Vector Virology Research Center, said that although it would be a, quote, rare, uh, rather rare phenomenon, uh, it is still possible. And the latest reports coming out of the UK are the following. The UK government is claiming that the Omicron variant will, quote, double every day. And they've got 400,000 cases today, up from 200,000 yesterday. On these assumptions, by the way, just to put this into perspective, they will have 26 billion new cases by New Year's Eve, just to give you an idea, because the UK only has a population of, was it like 56 million or something? Yeah, something like that. So just to give you another idea, just to break that math down further, um, that means that's uh, on that day, so New Year's Eve, every person in the UK will catch COVID 374 times or once every four minutes. I'd say that that's cause to be concerned, wouldn't you, gentlemen? How is it even possible? Well, I mean, we're, we're going off of government numbers, so, I mean, you shouldn't uh, doubt it, right? My bad. My bad. I apologize, sir. I'm to go build a bunker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm... I, I want to point out, because, uh, Tavish, you, you, you pointed out that um, um, Fauci, for example, sounds like he's uh, very intelligent because he's using big words. And, you know, it. it um, there was a study. Uh, I've seen the headline of it. I didn't dig into it. But the, the study summarized said that um, the elite, uh, you know, the, the a neurosurgeon is no different than uh, the average person when it comes to intelligence. Uh, and. By that, it's meaning intelligence in the sense of 
the neurosurgeon obviously has more experience in um, that field than the average person, but the average person has the capacity to be in the same boat, if you will. They have the capacity to be a neurosurgeon. In other words, humans aren't too far off from other humans in terms of what they're capable of, is basically what it's saying. So though, um, as an example, um, on on this podcast, um, we knew nothing or very little about virology. And over the last two years, we've read many papers and how things work. And now we're fairly knowledgeable on how virology works, at least, you know, the, the basics of it. anybody can do that. I mean, you can you can go in and learn something. So it's just it requires you to time manage and um, put a little bit of effort into the extra research. And um, let me just preface that it is boring. Uh, that's a preface. It, it is. This is literally something you have to discipline yourself to do because some of these papers are so full of jargon that you have to pull out a dictionary to find out what the hell they're meaning when they say something. So, yeah. Information and education. Exactly. Get informed, get educated. And you're right. There are things that I know about that other people don't, but if they took the time, they could learn how to do it. By doing it, you get the experience. So yes, I do agree with you on that. It's just to the average layman, it's like, oh my God, these big words. Oh, what is it? Oh, oh, he must be really super smart. It, it just it, the per, um, perception. There we go. The perception of it all. Because exactly. Yeah, big words. Oh, he must be a brain surgeon or a rocket scientist. Well, no, I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express and read a dictionary. You know, if there's nobody in the room that knows what you're talking about, you sound educated. Okay, let's uh, let's shift here. We can talk two different things. Uh, we've only got time for one of them. So do we want to talk? I'll, I'll let you guys choose. Do we want to talk about Senator Blumenthal or do we want to talk about uh, Biden releasing 1,500 JFK files? I'm, I'm actually going to uh, throw out a tinfoil hat that I just had real quick with, with, uh -huh. with the, the choose the two choices wouldn't it be interesting when uh because we've seen the um photos of pelosi and others and their affiliations with um uh jfk and and um you know being in the uh it would be interesting to find out if um the reason he's releasing these documents is it might not be a very good image on some of these people that that may have been involved um, based on the people that they were interacting with at the time and uh, the the known um, dealings those individuals had, um, I'm wondering if this is like opposition research kind of a thing and releasing that documentation out so that these individuals, uh, let's say Biden was to run coming up for the next presidential election, how 2024, how on earth? how I know, but let's just posit this for a second because this is what they would do for Trump. What if that those documents being released had uh, a negative image of somebody that might be in uh, politics for a long time? Um, it would it would uh, keep them from running against them or keep them in line or, you know, those kind of things. Blackmail. She's already said that this is going to be uh, probably her last. She's term. retiring. She yeah, she won't yeah. seek reelection. She's already put twenty five million down on a new Florida home right now, right down the road from GP. So, uh, Tavis, do you not, know how? Not just her, though, but I'm, I'm, I'm just use her as an example because we've seen photos of her. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tavish, do you know how on earth a uh, a person on a, uh, a salary from the U.S. Congress can afford a $25 million retirement home in Florida? Well, if she's not running for re-election and she still has a campaign fund, depending yeah, on the state, some states you're allowed to keep the money. You're allowed to keep the money? Okay, I didn't know that. Uh, a lot of these, well, Cuomo actually had to give his money back. Uh, as a matter of fact, Chris Cuomo, his deal. brother... Yeah, well, yeah, well, there, there is that. But uh, Chris, yeah, okay, yeah, he had a book deal too. Um, his brother, Chris Cuomo, who was at CNN, who just got sacked, he just had to give back, what was like $5 million uh, from his book deal. Okay, I, I hate to have to do this because of the individuals involved. However, um, they have an ethics board. That, that's, that's basically what they're saying. This was an unethical thing. The ethics board is now going after him saying you have to pay the money back. And if you don't pay the money back, you have to give it. Or, well, they're saying you have to give it to the state. Um, the ethics board approved the book. Um, I'm sorry, ethics board, you approved the book. It was done. Uh, you can't go in and take a private individual's money and say you have to like, no, 
I, I as much as I dislike those individuals, I, I begrudgingly will grind my teeth and stand up and say, you can't do this. Uh, there's a lot of other people that deserve that money. Maybe, I don't know, maybe the uh, sexual harassment victims, uh, you know, that would be a good start. But the government has no authority to come in and say, you have to, uh, you have to, that, that that's Marxism. Going in and taking people's money and giving it, like, distributing it to, uh, no. I'm At the time, were they not considered public officials when they wrote their books? Yes, they are private citizens now, but at the time, was they, yes. were they not public officials? It, that is true. So how would they that... Were, they went they went through the proper channels to get approval of it. The the book was approved by this the same board that is saying you have to give the money back. So my point is is if you're going through the proper channels, get it authorized, and now they're coming back and saying you 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 have to give the money up. Um, why would people be okay with the wish wishy washiness of government? Uh, basically, my my I guess it boils down to my beef of government's bad. That that that's that's where it I guess that's what it stems. No, from. I, I see your point. I see your point. I just wanted to get a little clarification on that because I'm not up on copyright law or anything like that. So that's why I wasn't sure how the public official versus public person came into play. It, technically, he was a, a a public official at the time, but the the book was done by a private. It, 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 so it wasn't the the I hate how we have to have public and private separated from one another because there's still a private individual they just have to be in they happen to be in the public eye but uh, anyway the basically it was written as if he was a private individual because of the clearance and everything like it went through the proper channels and it was cleared so it was as okay. if it was a private individual writing it I, I can see your point. I, I agree with it to a certain point. Uh, just so you know, uh, as I read further down into this while you guys were discussing that, uh, the federal government today released nearly 1,500 secret documents related to the assassination of President John F. Kennedy, uh, but they have left more than 10,000 files partially redacted or withheld. Uh, the 1,500 they have released, they have released them uh, officially, but... They will not be made available to the public until December of next year. So, you know, these things take time, you see. It, it takes time to uh, to do that. The release of the documents was mandated in Cong or by Congress in 1992. However, the legislation included a provision that would allow the documents to... Uh, you know what, Bruce? Th this might confirm some of your tinfoil hat suspicions here. The legislation included a provision that would allow the documents to continue to be withheld for years if the federal government should declare that the documents release could cause, quote, identifiable harm. Identifiable harm. Okay. Uh -huh. If you have a government document that might cause identifiable harm. Hmm. The only thing, there's two things. Okay, so the, the benign explanation is uh, maybe there's an idea of an informant or a spy or someone like that. Um, someone in intelligence or, or uh, you know, something like that. But you would just redact that. So that, that, that doesn't really play. So then what, what would be the next benign reason that um, it might cause but this was back in 1990, by the way, back 92. when yeah. 92, before we had any of this nonsense, before we were this divided. Um, for those that were born after or, you know, around 9-11, you probably don't understand what it's like not to have the division and, and being able to be a Democrat and a Republican in the same room, conversing with one another and being friendly to one another. Now it's it's we're told we have to be almost to the point of beating each other in the streets. Uh, I just want to point that out, that they were saying that then. So what what's really in there? Tavish, your, uh, your thoughts? I'm not surprised they didn't release all the files because in classification, there's the 50-year rule. Documents are declassified from top secret to secret to confidential, and then they hit the uh, stage where they can be released, whether it's to the Library of Congress, uh, under Freedom of Information requests. However... The government still retains the right to keep classification levels on those documents if, as you were saying, identifiable harm, revealing of national security interest or technology. So they, there's always a way to keep things from getting to the public. So I would say that what's being released, yeah, it could be a power play against um, certain political figures, but also how many people are still around in politics? 
that sat on the Warren Commission or were around in, in Congress or government at that time? That's my question. So is it a matter of more embarrassing the political party of the opposition? Or is it mostly useless information about, well, witness X saw all this happen on the, the knoll, whereas witness Z saw a car leaving? It would all depend what's in the content of the information. We were looking at some uh, photos of JFK from back, uh, back when he was in the Oval Office. And I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, but these are freely out there. You can image search them or whatever it is that you want to do, however you do that with whatever search engine you've got. Just search uh, JFK White House photos or something like that. And you'll start seeing the types of people that you're talking about, Tavish. You'll start seeing those individuals that are still around today. They're still there. They're still in very high up positions in the U.S. government and they're public figures that people see. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. How many of those people are still around? I would say, sir, there's quite a few. You are obviously a little bit younger of a man uh, when that happened. That incident happened before my time. Can you describe it? Because there are things you just don't forget uh, at certain points in history, that being one of them. Uh, 9-11 was the shock moment for for me and my generation. But uh, as somebody who was there to witness that tragic event on that, that dark day, what was it like? I was just a young child. I was four, maybe five. I'm watching TV, but it had no connection to me until I heard this crash. I turn around. My mother is in the kitchen doorway looking at the TV. She's crying. Whatever she had in her hand was on the floor broken, and it just scared the hell out of me. Something really bad had happened to make my mom look like that. And I, to this day, I have not forgotten that. Later on, as I got older, I realized just exactly what had happened. You know, we, we learned about it in school, so on and so forth. But it just, that look on my mother's face just so horrified me. I didn't, I just ran over and grabbed her legs and hugged her. And she, she was, her tears were falling on the top of my head. And I started crying because I knew something really bad had happened. But it wasn't until I got older that I made the connection about what it meant to America. But yeah, it was, it was an earth shattering event. It, it, for my generation, 9-11, you know, for everybody had, you know, where were you when the Worldcraft Challenger blew up? Everybody has those moments where they never forget where they were. And very indelible, very indelible. You know, I, I've heard it described, uh, the, the Kennedy assassination. I, yeah, I, I was a very young child when, uh, when the Challenger blew up uh, as well. I don't remember where I was uh, at that time, uh, probably because I was about the same age you were when uh, the Kennedy assassination happened. But I didn't have a connection to that day. Obviously, it wasn't as big of a shock. I mean, it was terrible that it happened, but uh, it wasn't obviously as big of a, uh, of a shock. The Kennedy assassination, that that in particular, or that day in particular. When my mom just started crying, but it's just those memories are always with you. It's, it's like 9-11, seeing the images of the towers coming down. It just, oh. I've heard the day of uh, the JFK assassination described as the day that the U.S. died, as in culturally. It shocked the nation. I mean, you 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 said it yourself. The uh, the initial shock uh, that you had, that was uh, that was portrayed by your mother. That was the sentiment that was not just in the United States. That was all across the world. It shocked an entire generation of people. It was the end of Camelot, not just for Americans, but for people around the world who saw Kennedy and his ideas and his is you know the way he spoke and just brought people together. It been the Berliner. You know, he had that ability to connect no matter who you were. He would listen to it and just realized, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And and it, it that was so rare. It's like some of Martin Luther King's speeches. They were so rare, but so touching and uplifting. And they connected to you on a visceral, emotional level. And yeah, I definitely would agree. It's the day that part of America died. You know, I've, I've got a picture of, uh, of JFK hanging right here on my wall. And, you know, I, I, um, I look at the things that he said as you're as you're saying. You know, he he would uh, come to Germany. He would speak to them in their language. He would uh, give speeches in the U.S. If we could find a Republican today that would speak the way JFK did, and JFK was a Democrat, make no mistake about that. If we could find a Republican today, a single one, a single one. If we could find a single Republican that would speak like JFK, I, I would be doing backflips just to give you an idea of how far we've shifted. John F. Kennedy. President John F. Kennedy, who was a Democrat, could not get elected as a Republican 10 years ago, let alone today. Same thing with Ronald Reagan as a Republican. I thought he was an excellent president. The way he had of speeches, he, he would connect with people. 
he couldn't get reelected as a Republican today. And that's that that is what I am so sorry about what we once had. And I fear we may not ever get it back. The ability to agree, to disagree, to compromise, or as Bruce said, Democrat, Republican, hey, we can still sit in a room, hang out, have a beer, talk, and not have to get the torches and pitchforks out. That's, those days seem to be gone. And I so want them back. I so want them back. Because that's what made America great. I may be exaggerating, but to me, I do believe that. The ability to disagree was one of our greatest strengths. We were able to come together, compromise, and unify. And now it's more like, get out of here, slam the door, throw rocks at people, whatever. It's like, no, this is not what America should be. I'm sorry. I don't mean to ramble. No, you, you are you kidding me? Do you, have you listened to me on a daily basis? You're mild. <laughs> that is, I, I don't think you're, you're wrong when you say that. That's one of the things that made America great is that technically speaking, we had a civil war every four years. I mean, technically speaking, True, but- it, it, it but it was peaceful, right? We're we're not out there shooting each other in the streets. We're fighting each the other in the, in the was, field of ideas. The operative word was civil. Yeah, civil exactly. discourse. Yeah, and that has they're trying to steal it from us. It's still okay here in in Middle America. I I can go and talk to any of the neighbors around us, and I'm pretty sure one of them at least is a Democrat. Like to to retain their job. That I, I can't see them being anything other than in, in lockstep with the, this some of the nonsense because they have an academic job. That said, I can go out and talk with them and we can get along. So at least here in middle America, that's still the thing. That's still I have family members that are oof, they're 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 way far left. I mean, the extremist level. But when they come around family, we don't talk politics with them. And we still, I mean, that's not ideal. I would, I would like to be able to talk politics with them and walk away still loving one another. But it, it's become so vitriolic now that that's difficult uh, it, 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 in some cases. But generally speaking, it's, I'm not seeing that here in, in this area. Oh, the same boat. I have family members that as long as we don't talk politics, everyone gets along fine. But if you get into politics, somebody's going to be leaving pissed off, slamming doors, whatever it might be. And that's just not the way it should be. I can't help but think back to that uh, that clip we were watching, Bruce, of Gavin McGinnis at the Christmas dinner table. <laughs> Karen, get the kids. We're leaving. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it happens. Yeah, it, it does. Yeah, it, it does. It's just it, it's it's such it's such a politically charged environment and it doesn't have to be that way. It literally doesn't have to be that way. Do you know how much I hate talking politics? I'm serious. I'm fascinated by it, but at the same time, I hate it. I hate it because not everything in this world is political. But the problem today is that these, whatever these the, these creatures are that are running this, uh, this sick agenda of theirs, they have to make everything political because that's who they are. Everything about them is politics, and they have to bring it to your doorstep because they know that you're not political. So they have to do it to disrupt your life. They have to do it to disrupt the way you do things on a day-to-day basis. The only thing these people do, and I'm talking about the power establishment, the only thing these people do is they sit up there and they figure out how to manipulate people and they figure out how to ruin people. That's all they know how to do. They don't know how to build anything. They don't know how to create anything. None of these people, none of them. I don't care if it's some uh, some corporate head that, who was a person that was been elected there. There are very few CEOs out there that are the majority shareholder in their own company. A lot of them are just put there by a board of directors. What does that mean? That means that most of them are not builders. They've never created a product or a service that anyone wants or needs. They're just administrating something. They're administrating a business. That's all they're doing. They're not offering anything new. They're not innovating. Oh, yes, they're giving you some uh, some new phone or some new software. That stuff was coming regardless. The free market gives us those things. Innovation has been stopped. We don't have true innovation anymore. You just get the next thing because you become a mindless consumer. You've got to break out of that mentality. You've got to break out of that, that perpetual cycle of just consuming. We have consumers in the modern era. We don't have citizens. This is why we're in this mess. And it's got to change. As Tavish said, I want to go back to Camelot. All right, gentlemen, we are out of time. 
So we are going to have to go. Uh, but Tavish, I want to thank you for being here today. It's been a real pleasure having you back on. And we hope you uh, hope you come back and visit us before the end of the year. I will do my best, sir. And I just want to thank you and Bruce. You guys are doing an important service for everyone out there listening. Remember, be educated, be informed, make informed decisions. But people, let's agree to disagree and get along. But thank you, gentlemen. It's been an honor. And you're always welcome here, my friend. Uh, like I said, we hope to see you back before the end of the year. All right, uh, that will do it for today. So I uh, want to thank you for being here today, Bruce. Thank you for being here today, Tavish. Everyone have a fantastic evening, and we will see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.